Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey there, my name's Michael Laminato and this is Practice Day at the 2023 Miami Grand Prix on Pit Pass F1. Pass F1 is brought to you by Evergreen Podcasts. And on today's episode, Max Verstappen sets a formidable marker at the top of the timesheet, well ahead of the rest. And, more to the point, well ahead of teammate Sergio Perez. Meanwhile, Charles Leclerc crashed out of the later session, but he wasn't the only one to have an off. The all-new track surface is proving very slippery offline, which could bode poorly for the race. And as prospective new teams prepare to sell themselves to the FIA for inclusion in Formula 1, the 10 current constructors are mounting new arguments to keep the sport a closed shop. For all of that and more, plus Pierre Gasly's NFL connection he's hoping to give him a boost, let's hear now from your man on the ground. It's Chris Medlin. Well, I started yesterday's podcast by mentioning the fact that Sergio Perez probably deserves to get a bit more respect for how this year has gone so far. And while it is only Friday, it wasn't a great start to the weekend for the Mexican. No, it was much better for Max Verstappen instead, because Verstappen just seemed far more comfortable on a challenging track surface, which we'll get to a little bit later on in the pod. But He set the pace in FP2 when all the qualifying simulations took place and Perez just wasn't up there at the time. The Mexican struggled more. He was admitting that he didn't really like the low grip conditions that the new surface was giving and it felt more like it was suitable for intermediate or wet weather tyres. That's how little grip he felt he was getting. And he was saying actually that, this is a direct quote, was, I'm not driving really, really well today. So it was uh, a bit of mea culpa from Perez. He, He wasn't in a great headspace. Uh, and there was an error on his fastest lap too. But because of that, he also then said that there's a lot more potential in terms of lap time. There's a lot more I can do with this car. I'm just not in a in a happy place with A, the car or the, or the track, but also the way I've performed. So if I piece it all together, I'm sure I'll be fine. It does mean it's going to be tough for him starting on the back foot. So Saturday actually becomes a real test of his recent confidence uh, and pretty much everything I said yesterday. Now that track surface is one of the changes that has been made by the race organisers after the first event in Miami because last year's actually broke up at times and was really, really bad offline. We saw drivers would get a bit out of shape towards the end of the lap and if they weren't on the racing line, they'd lose loads of time because they wouldn't be able to get the power down, wouldn't have any grip at all. So while it was still tough offline today after the track resurfacing, there were huge improvements on the racing line as more and more laps took place. The pace increased massively by some two seconds from FP1 from FP2. The downside to that was the difference between online and offline again was quite big as the day evolved and it caught quite a few people out. Nico Hülkenberg was the first to crash. He ran wide at turn three and spun into the wall, bringing out the red flag in FP1. Uh, That was a bit of a silly mistake Hulkenberg himself admitted he said he was just pushing a bit too hard asking a bit too much too soon uh, and wanted to 
basically find the lap time on soft tyres really early on. And it's a track he hasn't driven on in an F1 car before. He wasn't racing in Formula 1 last year. So he did some laps in a road car, but not in a Formula 1 car. And it caught him out at how little grip there was on the outside of Turn 3 once it got wide. Then his teammate Kevin Magnussen lost the rear at Turn 13 and also hit the wall. But he was actually able to get back to the pits saying that that one was simply due to locking the rear axle at low speed and that didn't seem to be something that Magnussen put down to the track surface or low grip but just simply a tricky corner turning braking low speed uh, and it can catch you out so uh, kind of a driver mistake more more than anything is the way he put that one down too but it was Charles Leclerc who had the biggest off he went off at turn eight in the closing stages of FP2 uh, Leclerc was pushing on older tyres and as he came through the long sweeping left-hander at turn eight, uh, just kind of lost the rear a little bit, car snapped away from him, and he corrected it, he caught it, but that meant that he was then pointing it straight on at the barrier in the runoff area. And I think we would have expected to see on many occasions a driver could still get out of trouble there, but Leclerc locked the front tires uh, and we just slid straight on into the barrier, damaged the front right corner. Uh, and he also put that down to the lack of grip, said he just couldn't bring it back, couldn't recover it once uh, the car had gotten away from him. So obviously the driver in the car has a better feeling of whether the car's going to grip up or not. And he just said it wasn't as he wanted to try and turn while uh, staying on the brakes as well. So, uh, and when it's low grip and you hit the brakes hard, you're going to lock them. Now, Leclerc thinks he's going to be okay for the rest of the weekend. And he also thinks that the one lap pace was actually pretty good from Ferrari. Don't forget Leclerc was on pole position for both races in Baku last weekend. Not just the Grand Prix on Sunday, which he took pole for on the Friday, but he also managed to repeat that during the sprint shootout on the Saturday. So he was the quickest man over one lap twice in a row in Baku. And that's kind of raised interest in terms of what Ferrari can do here. And Leclerc does think that the one lap pace is good, that it's there or thereabouts and probably can challenge Red Bull or be in the ballpark. But when it comes to where it really matters in Sunday's race pace, when the points are handed out, uh, Leclerc said Rebel are still in another league. So looking a bit ominous at the front, but nothing we haven't come to expect from what we've seen so far this season. And given the fact that the track conditions were tricky, maybe Ferrari was struggling to understand their new floor a little bit. Uh, that's something that Nico Hockenberg actually said and Kevin Magnussen, that when they both tried a new floor for Haas, the differences in the track surface and the amount of kind of lap time they were finding from one session to the other kind of clouded things. Magnussen didn't use the new floor for Haas in FP1, but did in FP2 and said, well, I didn't go two seconds quicker because of the floor, but because of the track. Uh, so similarly, Ferrari would have had those kind of challenges to work out when they tried their new floor. Uh, Leclerc was positive about it, you know, happy to see the progress. And I think he was fairly comfortable with the feeling of the car. His teammate Carlos Sainz the same. Sainz recovering from a tough weekend in Baku uh, to be second quickest behind Verstappen and ahead of Leclerc in FP2 uh, and saying he's kind of back on it but still both of them saying Red Bull are, are the ones to beat and going to be nearly impossible to beat. Now speaking of another league let's talk about another sport kind of. We had Tyreek Hill the Miami Dolphins wide receiver in the NFL helping out Pierre Gasly during FP1. Uh, he was in the Alpine garage, he had the full fire suit on, he was on the team radio, he had the headset on and was kind of carrying out a bit of performance engineering, at least that was the plan. Uh, Alpine were very happy that uh, they were allowed to do so by the team uh, because they just thought it would be a really cool thing to do. Uh, Pierre Gazzi trained with uh, Hill in the past over here for a bit of a crossover and a bit of content, so he's made multiple visits to Miami and knows Tyreek Hill a little bit. So uh, when Hill came into the paddock before the session and saw Gasly, they were getting on very well and having a catch-up and a chat uh, and talking about the plans. So, uh, yeah, very, very cool. Wasn't really announced, wasn't really publicised before it happened by Alpine. 
but it does show how much teams are investing in this race and embracing the local market because yeah the Dolphins had some players here on Thursday as well but to actually put a, a team member that's that's not a full-time Formula One team member in the garage doing something during a session uh, that's a pretty big step and it also shows what other big stars from other sports think of Formula One which is uh, very cool I mean this is a race that's going to be full of celebrities over the rest of the weekend uh, I'll do some celeb spotting for you in later shows but it's not really shown any signs of slowing down in terms of the interest uh, and the being a place that people want to be. So uh, that was a really cool kind of crossover event that Alpine did today. So one of the other storylines that occurred during practice day had nothing to do with practice at all. Every Friday, traditionally at a Grand Prix, there are a team principals press conference that takes place featuring six of the team principals, so more than half in two sets of three. Now, the one today in Miami, the standout comments were about new teams or prospective new teams. So it's been a while that a number of potential new outfits have said they want to come in and join the grid. And the FI did open up uh, expressions of interest earlier this year. So the likes of Andretti, uh, a Saudi Arabian-backed project run by former team boss Craig Pollock, and a new team called Lucky Sons that have been making a bit of noise on social media, potentially a follow-up to the Panthera idea that was doing the rounds over the past few years, have all been showing an interest in joining the grid. Now, most team bosses always mention finances and bringing something to the table. That's kind of what we got from Toto Wolf, Gunter Steiner, Zach Brown, Otmar Zafnauer. But there was something a bit different from Christian Horner, who said... One of the reasons there may not be the ability to add more teams to Formula One in the future is because there's not enough space, saying that certain circuits just can't host another team. They can't fit them in. They can't take the trucks. They can't find the garage space. Uh, They can't deal with the logistics of having an 11th or even 12th team. Now, in reality, that could definitely be worked around, but it is an added headache. Pirelli and Formula One themselves have garages at many tracks, as do the FIA, so there are ways around it if needed. But we'll have to wait and see whether the FIA recommends any new entrant to go further on in the process now that expressions of interest have been open for a couple of months now and the number of teams have shown they want to join. So we'll keep an eye on that too. Thanks very much to Chris Medland, who's bringing you the latest from Miami and the Hard Rock Stadium. Make sure you don't miss an update from Miami this weekend by subscribing to Pit Pass F1 wherever you get your favourite podcasts. And you can visit us at pitpassmotorsports.com. You can keep up to date too with developments from the paddock all weekend by following Chris on social media. Just check the link in the show description. My name's Michael Laminato. Pit Pass F1 is an evergreen podcast. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.